0: With another episode of the PCC Multiverse, this is Gerald Glassford coming back at you here from, of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends each and every week, twice a week where we get your podcasts, plus we post the latest news and trends right there for you on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. So go ahead and check that out today, plus all of our social media. Also as well, go ahead and subscribe today on the Pop Culture Cosmos and you too can get the latest information on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, PCC Multiverse, State of Pro Wrestling, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and more. So go ahead and check it out on YouTube today when you subscribe. Plus also as well, the Lakers Fast Break, Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football also as well, you know. The best tabletop RPG action in town is, of course, Vampires and Vitae, plus Wild Beyond a Witchlight with Wizards and Wine. Go ahead and check out those great YouTube channels today and also wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, of course, we do everything for you at popculturecospels.wordpress.com. You can always get an archive of what we're doing there. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated but it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without our returning queen of pop culture. She is the amazing one out of vampires and Vitae. Don't tell Robbie, her husband, but it is indeed a great person. You got to go ahead and check her out today when she's there or at wild beyond a witch site with wizards and wine. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda. We have come now, full circle a week after the knowledgeable part one class of Robbie Ross, Professor Robbie Ross on Warhammer 101. If you didn't get an update on that, please check out the last episode or on YouTube. How's it going, my friend?
1: Hey man, it's going pretty good. How are you doing?
0: Uh, busy. Yeah, I hear the that. best word for that because pop culture since the turn of September, has been running wild not to use the Hulk Hogan euphemism but it has been running wild with a whole bunch of stuff going on not only in pro wrestling but television with the writer strike now ended hopefully the sag strike can end soon after that so some shows are getting up in uh, you know up and about it's just amazing to see and even buddy gold from Croc radio who's joining us in the audience now, Hopefully, he will go ahead and make sure that he checks out a lot of the great stuff that's going on in pop culture because he gets it from us right there on Croc Radio each and every time out for all the stuff that we do there. But tell you what, so much is going on in video games, television, movies. They're starting to heat up, especially next week with some Taylor Swift action, my friend. Oh, man. And you know what?
1: I was Robbie, expecting, oh man, Bobby even just said, "You know, we should probably go to the movie soon. Do you think he'll get suspicious if I start making friendship bracelets?
0: <laughs> Actually, I just bought some off of Amazon for my eldest daughter <laughs> for her birthday party that's coming up here. And uh, yeah. she's she's a teenager. well, she's going to be an adult here in just a few weeks, so she'll be eighteen, but she wants to celebrate it part of it. His friendship bracelets. So, you know what? If Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs is making friendship base bracelets for his teammates and if the ratings can go sky high through the roof on NFL coverage whenever she's there, absolutely, not at all, no problem by me. Next week, we are going to go more depth in detail on the advance, the huge advance for the Taylor Swift movie, for out for limited time, you do need to buy your seats soon because it's already a hundred million dollars in the kitty so far. So a lot of tickets have already been sold. But it's just so funny. Before we start the show, I've told you just now, and I know you've already know about or already on social media about how it's blown up on the NFL between the rumored romance between Travis Kelsey, the Kansas City Chiefs, and Taylor Swift. But it's so funny though because NBC, you know, they they had the primetime game. And, they, you know, with uh, Kansas City heading into the New York uh, the New York area to face off against the Jets. And you see Taylor Swift and her entourage coming into the arena or the stadium in this case. And it's just so funny because she walks in. She gets the whole prompt right underneath her. Taylor Swift right there for you, if you didn't know who that was. But in the back, Blake Lively is there. She's <laughs> yeah. only been a few movies. But directly behind her and then walking out in front of her were two nondescript bearded guys who just happened to be starring in the biggest movie of next year, Deadpool 3 and Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. I thought it was so funny. They completely ignored (laughs) literally standing behind and walking in front of her on the program. I just thought it was hilarious. It's all Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. Forget about Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman.
1: Yeah, I feel like Sophie Turner was there as well, but I, I could be wrong on that. I, I thought I saw her anyway. I know that the two of them have been spending some time together, but I'm not sure about going to football games. But I thought I saw her in that picture.
0: Uh, Alan, just wanted to give you a heads up. Yeah, Last week, the Writers Guild uh, came to an agreement with the movie studios, so they are now back to work at various things, such as, like for instance, late-night talk shows, afternoon talk shows, although the Drew Barrymore show, because those writers have revolted because of what happened with them trying to come on early and start that early, why they were still striking. But uh, I know that anything writing-related is still now underway uh, because of the strike. That part of the strike is over. But acting, that is still ongoing, and it includes video games because they recently decided to add on any video game uh, work done by actors to be persona non grata because of what's going on with the strike. So let's hope the Screen Actors Guild strike can be done soon. Because that will help us out because the entertainment, you know, it's going on fast and furious right now, Melinda, and there's a lot to talk about there. But at some point in time, if we don't hurry up and get this SAG strike over and everybody comes to an agreement, there could be a little bit of a problem and a little bit of a lull either later this year or early next
1: yeah, uh, my money is on uh, later this year. I, I think by the time we get to early next year, uh, you know, if things get straightened up, I think that things will catch up with themselves. But, yeah, it's uh, I think late this year is going to be quite dodgy again.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. But for now, we've got enough to talk about on today's program. It's a lot of stuff that, indeed, because you and I have a little bit of catching up to do. There's been some season enders. Uh, and that I do want to go ahead and discuss and also some season beginners that we'll discuss as well when we talk about, of course, Star Wars Ahsoka. How did it end? Also as well, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. And of course, what just started was Loki. I actually caught the first episode just before we went on the air. So I want to go ahead and share some general thoughts out there on it. I'm not spoilerish on that yet. So we'll go ahead and talk that about that on today's show Plus also as well, Melinda and I are going to be talking about a series. I think that you really need to check out on Netflix. It's getting extremely high reviews and a 10 on IGN. So I'm going to tell you about the fall of the house usher to get you in that October mood. Plus also as well, what's going on with the box office this weekend and is universal sending itself up for failure with their movie coming out this weekend. We'll talk about that. Plus a major shift in pro wrestling or no? As we talk, Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, he just jumped to AEW as well. And speaking of Edge, or someone named Edge, the Edge is part of the U2 recently performed at the Sphere, the beautiful Sphere where we're at here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know, in the if, on this YouTube channel, if you look below, you're going to see our largest video ever is a shot of the sphere as it debuted on the outside. Well, in the past week they debuted it on the inside with what everybody is raving about the sphere an 18,000 seat. It's not a full arena. It's actually like an 18,000 seat. uh, What? Like cathedral amphitheater amphitheater, cathedral type deal where it rises up on one side, 18,000 people. 70% or 75% of which of the seats are haptic. So you actually will feel more of the vibration of the the whole ambiance what's going on on stage. Then they have the stage down on the floor in the middle. And then all around you is the digital view and the digital performance and the lights and the whole, you know, just basically just think, imagine like a marquee enveloping you with all the just the just the sensory perception that you know actually almost an overload of sensors sensory uh just type the deals where they're throwing a whole bunch of lights images sounds you know everything that's going on it just got rave reviews youtube's performance there they're doing a a you know they're doing a residency there so they'll be having several more shows but your thoughts on youtube at the sphere
1: um actually a friend of mine uh called isaac uh hi isaac um he uh, managed to get some tickets to go check out that that YouTube two show of the opening night they and weren't
0: cheap i'll tell you that no they
1: certainly experience. weren't wow it was incredible and a hundred dollars to park please yeah come on um but all of that aside uh the video that isaac took was incredible
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of it video really was. out there. Like it, yeah. it,
1: the, the, the part where it looked like that block of writing was like falling down through the whole sphere on top of everybody. It was just wild, wild. I mean, worth the price of admission, I can't say for sure. But it has certainly piqued my, my interest. And, you know, I'm going to wait until something more affordable <laughs> comes along besides you two. Uh, before i get a chance to go check it out but uh it's definitely uh, on my list of, of must to must do things uh in las vegas at the very bottom is the formula one stuff because i'm over it but the the sphere stuff yeah i'm very excited for
0: that well formula one hasn't hit las vegas yet we're still yeah. not even ready construction wise yeah. if you seen that area of town oh but man we'll see what they can do on that but when it comes to U two, it's funny because U two is like Oh, that's your dad's uh, group, or that's your mom's group. That's not anything relating to today. But then again, they have one of the best documentaries on pop culture we've seen this year. Yeah, and also as well, they now have one of the best live performances outside of Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Not trying to get into, it. I don't, don't <laughs> yeah, want of the, the, the Beehive. We're not going or, there. Or, or, no, yeah, <laughs> or or the Swifties on me on that one. Outside of those two, they have one of the best live performances of the year. Based off this, what we've seen so far, just absolutely raving. So if you get a chance, you're in the area, please go ahead and check out The Sphere here in Las Vegas. It is truly worth your wait. And if you want to see what it looks like on the outside, it's right below on our YouTube channel, Pop Culture Cosmos. It's absolutely easy to see and you'll be able to enjoy it. And I'm sure that you have a lot of questions and a lot of things to say about what's going on at The Sphere. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program when it comes to Star Wars Ahsoka. Oh my gosh, Star Wars Ahsoka. It started off a little bit of Sloka, as we said before, <laughs> but you know what? Unlike the book of Sloba it actually finally about halfway through really hooked me in, really got me going, and it started to really get me going in a place where I like to see because, as you know, the rumors of a Star Wars movie building to this as a climax where it's the battle of grand admiral thrawn versus the mandoverse because you'll have the mandalorian you have ahsoka you'll have all those different you probably even boba fett back again you have all those forces coming together in the mandoverse baby yoda you know and all of that coming together to battle against the forces of grand admiral thrawn and you know as we end the series uh the season excuse me season one because there's a season two that they're or, they were already filming when the strike happened. Right. Season one, it looks like that. Unfortunately, Grand Admiral Thrawn, through the, I guess uh, the blind, uh, you know, friendship that Sabri- Sabine Wren had, she decided to go ahead and make the ultimate choice to save a friend in order to endanger a galaxy. So Grand Admiral Thrawn looks like he's headed towards. Picking a fight with the New Republic once again. Your thoughts on Star Wars: Ahsoka season one? Again, slow burn, slow build, but unlike the Book of Boba Fett, where it did have a Book of Boba Fett did have try to you know spruce things up with the Mandalorian trying to come in and save the day there. This time around, it seemed like they they once they got over the into the third and fourth episodes, they really got their groove going and they really got you hooked in.
1: Yeah, you i mean, i know you keep saying that it was slow in the beginning i enjoyed it from the first episode
0: oh there um, you go see you know,
1: i yeah i really did um i when you when i was talking i was like this is a series that i am excited to watch and you were like it's so slow i was like are you sure we're watching the same programming i just didn't i didn't understand where you saw that it was slow because but.
0: it was just the after effects of the clone wars and they just think like you know you're just reintroducing themselves because they were in essence reintroducing themselves, not only to the audience that had seen them before in all the Dave Filoni animated uh, shows and series that they were in, but they were introducing themselves to a new audience uh, coming to Disney plus that had not seen it before. So in order to do that work, it had to be very descriptive and it kind of had actually to, for me just to had to build, they had to explain some things, and in order to explain some things, sometimes it takes a little bit more time for, for me, anyways. From what I saw.
1: Okay, well, maybe that's maybe that's where the difference was, because you know I, I was going into it not familiar with the Clone Wars. You know, I am. I I'm neither not- did I.
0: Just I didn't see a whole lot of it. Just a f- couple episodes here and there, but it just never really hooked me. But it wasn't until this show that I really like. Maybe I should go check more out.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 it didn't make me want to go and check more out, but it made me excited to, to catch a second season, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, though. It is very good the way it ended up with the, not a cliffhanger, per se, because you already know that, that Grand Admiral Thrawn is in now the general universe where most of the stuff is happening, while, s- spoilers, Star Wars uh, has now Ahsoka and Sabine Wren supposedly trapped in the galaxy grand admiral thrawn was trapped in now they're trapped in so you know i think everybody knows that by the time all is said and done ahsoka is going to find her way to where she's needed the most
1: yeah i, th- I think isn't that the kind of the jedi way <laughs> isn't course. that just Absolutely. seems to be what happens right they just well, show up yep. where they're needed
0: Well, Ah Mm -hmm. Ah, Ahsoka needed the Star Whales to get there in the first place. So, you know, it's all about just hitch and ride with those whales. I feel sorry for those whales. They're just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you know, both in the animated series and here. just back. They just feel like transportation. They're like an Uber.
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes you just stick to what you know. Star Wars Uber. Yeah. You just stick to what you know and you're fine. Okay.
0: Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. But I will be talking more in depth with this on a future episode with Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge because he's already dm would this week. He's, I got to talk Ahsoka with you, Gerald. I said, you know what? You nice. got it, my friend. Absolutely. We'll be able to sit down with you a little bit more on that. But I did enjoy, ultimately, my time with it. After you know episode three on, it really started to get me involved and get me in there. I really enjoyed the chance and opportunity to see it. So hopefully you will do the same. It is not Andor level, but it's still pretty darn solid. And I do give it a really good thumbs up. It is, of course, Star Wars Ahsoka. If you've seen Star Wars Ahsoka, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Alan saying, is Ahsoka better than Andor? Still think Mandalorian is best except last season. I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to put Star Wars Andor number one, Alan. And I'm going to put Mandalorian season two, the number two. And then I'm going to put Ahsoka number three. And then I'll go, Mandalorian was season one was kind of up and down for me. But I'm going to go with that's my order right now. And then, then you can put in Kenobi. And then you can put in Boba Fett. And you can put in all that. So uh, that that's something that you could probably go ahead and into on that. But yeah, I'd probably say Andor's number one. Ahsoka, I would put number three right now behind season two of The Mandalorian. Because season two of The Mandalorian was pretty darn good. Uh, that was some of the best of pop culture for that year came out as well, but uh, there's more great stuff to talk about, my friend. Besides Star Wars: Ahsoka, because also this week, this is this is what I had envisioned for Disney Plus, Melinda. You want to know why? Yeah. Because I envisioned a, a world where they would take their two most popular, uh, you know, uh, entities, their two most popular IPs, Disney Plus, and put them in a week where you have one at one part of the week and another show on another part of the week. And unfortunately it's going to only be like one week for us, but we did get season two of Marvel's Loki. Then that just started. That just if you're watching now, it just actually debuted here a couple hours ago. I got a chance to go already go ahead and check it out. Uh, I know the advanced word is not as high as season one so far for the first four episodes, people who have, Reviewers who have had a chance to see it, I thought it was okay, but it got a little technical. So you know, Melinda, it's like think of it like Star Trek,
1: you the techno babble.
0: Yeah, the techno babble, but also the fact that you know when they go time travel, right? You lose people, sure, and you really need the actress to buy in to what they're talking about, right? And I'm not sure when they read the script, Hiddleston and 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 Kie Kwan and. And Owen Wilson, I'm not sure if they bought into the script 100% while they were talking about it, because it just seems like even they were kind of a little bit off on it. But, you know, just the sheer magic of it being on, being something that hopefully we can continue with it. And then at the very end, there is a after credit scene. So I will let you know that. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I will let you know there is one. That I think that uh, I think you'll like it, but again, it's just the the pop of last uh, season. It's not there yet, but it's still for what it was. It was okay. It's just a lot of pe- talking and a lot of conversation, a lot of technical stuff pertaining to the timeline, how it's branching out, and how it needs to. They're deciding whether or not they should try to stop it or let it just keep on flowing
1: yeah just call it chalk it up to an educational episode where they've got they've got to explain it so the audience understands what's about to happen that just means that maybe this season with the time travel stuff is just going to get super complicated so it's, 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 it's trying to explain it up front is probably all that they were trying to do whether or not they've succeeded i don't know but
0: well let me ask you this when you, when yeah. you talked about loki season 1 of the past what were your thoughts on how it ended with uh With Sylvie, which is a variant of Loki, uh, disposing of the original He Who Remains, which could very well lead into all that what actually did lead into all these timeline branching outs and the possibility of of what you've already seen already in the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania of all these different variants of He Who Remains. Either coming together and deciding to go ahead and uh you know create a war amongst themselves, or even worse, amongst the people out there in the universe.
1: <laughs> easy question. <Of> course. <laughs> yeah, super easy. Um, look, what well, all that I can say for sure is that um if you and I can only do it. Because I try to put myself in the the chair of a storyteller, so like when I'm when I'm trying to run a and D game, it's not the same thing, I know, but it's the only thing I can equate it to. Mm-hmm. And when you have a character like that make a major play like that, there has to be fracturing, and there has to be uh, complications from it, and there has to be reaction to it, and it has to affect the game or the show moving forward, otherwise why are you even telling that part of the story? So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle it. I'm curious to see all, how all these different timelines are going to interact. I'm, I'm very interested in what's going to happen. Um, I, season two of Loki is one of the shows that I've been very much waiting for. So, um, all I can say is I think that they have set themselves up for an awful lot of different stories. And as you said, and the one thing that I have always complimented Marvel on that I think that they are so good at doing is taking it and being able to have it kind of echo through all of the other shows, through all of the other uh, movies as they come out. So I, I just think that it's a it's a it's a huge concept uh, to try to wrap your gourd around, but once you once you get there and once you see how they handle it, I, I think that uh, we're all going to kind of sign up for the ride. Well, that's just the thing.
0: Marvel hasn't been able to connect the dots and be able to put out the kind of quality stuff in recent weeks and months that we're kind of used to seeing.
1: They'll get there, I think. I think that they've they've stumbled, they've lost their way a little bit. It is a major reset. I mean, this phase was going to be a rough phase for them no matter how you tried to slice it. Like it it, it was going to be a tough sell. Um so I think that uh, they they may be overcomplicating it a little bit with this much of a, a wild storyline, but I think that if they do find a way to tell the story through the movies and, and connect it through all of the TV shows and stuff, if they do find a way to get back to that, um, I, I think that we're in for another wild ride with Marvel. Well,
0: let me ask you this. How important do you think this, is, this series is to the future of Disney Plus, or Disney for that matter, or Marvel? that matter let me explain why because in recent months we have seen ant-man of the wasp quantum mania after initial great weekend it actually fell off a cliff and a lot of people have some bad feelings about it Uh, and as far as the way that ended up and and pretty much eh, probably ended the ant-man franchise uh, for good finally on that one then you had secret invasion who everybody like myself was really hyped for return of nick fury kind of an interesting story and plot line and as far as the concept of it anyways with the shapeshifters really getting into the possibility of what that could do and unfortunately that did not pan out very well amongst audiences out there ratings and also as well critical reception is concerned so you go into this at least and also there's been other missteps along the way even in 2022 A little bit of hits here and there, but for the most part, it's not been the most successful 18 months, let's say, for Marvel and Marvel Studios. Your thoughts on how important, in fact, for Disney Plus as a whole, they've lost viewership. uh, They've talked about cutting back on Marvel and Star Wars and cutting back on, on content as a whole, bringing out new content and less and less. Your thoughts on how important Loki is to the future of Disney and Marvel.
1: I've honestly I've, I th- I do think there's a lot riding on season two for Loki you know and I mean depending on what's to come in the Loki series I, I don't know if it's going to set up any of the movies or not and I think that that's what people are going to continue to expect from Marvel because they have been so successful at it in the past and uh, if you're having Marvel movies and shows that aren't connected to each other uh, then it starts to feel fragmented then it starts to kind of give me the same feelings that, uh, you know, watching a DC movie gives me, uh, you, well, know, so I, I gotta, you know, I got because Star
0: Wars. I've, oh, I'm just going to say Star Wars now seems more organized. Yeah. Than Marvel at this point, especially the fact that I talked about the Mandoverse. Eventually you will see either one film or three films with grand Admiral Thrawn at the head being the, the, the Darth Vader emperor type deal matched up against the new Republic and the Mandoverse. Because they all come together in order to go ahead and fight Grand Admiral Thrawn. So you're seeing that in a lot more organized fashion than what you used to see or what you're currently seeing from Marvel. Which is actually turning the tables around from what it was five to seven years ago.
1: Yeah, and I think that, um, honestly, I think that anybody who's trying to tell uh, stories as complicated as the Marvel Universe or Star Wars or DC you really need to look at what Marvel did and you need, you need to take that stuff and apply it to what you're doing. And I think that uh, the people with Star Wars realized that and that's what they've started to do. Unfortunately, I think that Marvel has started to forget how to do it. And I think that they're going to start feeling that effect from it. Um, unless they've come to their senses and they have some stuff set up, um, you know, through the season of Loki.
0: Okay. Well, again, this is to me... a, a-, a- I think a little bit of concern as someone who watches a lot of pop culture and who understands that Disney, which also has been talked about as possible selling off its assets, you know, ESPN, Disney, ABC, they've all been talked about parts of it being branched off. And it's just, you know, you're hearing things for the first time that I thought I would never hear in my lifetime about how stable or unstable it is right now when it comes to Disney. So, it just seems very concerning to me how much is riding on Loki from the way it was the last time around. Because the last time around, Loki season one, it was a very pleasant surprise. It was really good. It's considered one of the better, if not best, Marvel television series that's out there in season one. So I think that they're in a different position now. Yeah, sure, they have a lot more subscribers than they did in season that season one. But the thing is, the expectations were different. The expectations now are a lot more. And it, now they really have to deliver.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, I think that if if they don't find a way to set something up in this, this uh, season of Loki, I, I think that um, we're just going to be in an absolute rebuild phase for Marvel going into this last phase.
0: The future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's not riding on Loki. But it sure could be helped by Loki and what's going to happen later on with the Marvels. Those two, if they really do well with audiences, I think it'd really give a nice boost to Marvel that they could surely use heading into 2024.
1: Yeah, I think that they desperately need it, to be honest.
0: What are your thoughts out there on Loki? Season 2 drops right now. In fact, it dropped a couple hours ago. If you haven't checked it out already... Go ahead and check it out. And then please let us know your thoughts on Loki Season 2, Episode 1, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. one half hour down, one half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, and of course, right here at the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It's Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football, along with my good friend Melinda Barkhouse Ross. It is October, my friend. It is. And October is supposed to be the scary month. I stopped it's by. I stopped by a place I used to manage uh, for four different uh, Halloween spirit, Halloween stores uh, you know, here in the Las Vegas area. We stopped by one, my, one of my daughters and I, and to see how much more. They are twice the price than what I used to sell them at. They're they're a little taller. They don't do a whole lot more. They still have the canned dialogue. But you know what? Again, you know, if you like those those different, you know, aesthetics as far as the type of scary things out there of course go for it and obviously we're seeing the different influences barbie selling well looks like along with a lot of other different costumes in fact on an upcoming episode we usually have an annual what are the most popular and most trending halloween costumes so either on the multiverse or the cosmos i got to do that you know as far as get one updated for everybody out there just to give a uh, an update on exactly what's going on. But if you are shopping for a Halloween costume, do it now. Yeah. Do it as soon as possible. Do it in September. It's basically the best advice I give to people. August, September is when you should start shopping for your Halloween costume. That's probably the best advice I could give. But as we head into October, you're going to start seeing more and more horror movies coming out. And no, that does not count with the Taylor Swift Concert movie (laughs) out there, everyone. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just, you know, in case anybody's going to say that out there. But Saw uh, has not done great. Uh, Saw X, which is the latest movie, uh, horror movie to come out, the latest in the long line of Saw movies to come out, Uh, even though it wasn't given uh, horrible ratings, it's actually given decent ratings. Unfortunately, it's not generated into that kind of action. I think late September, it's really hard to generate a consistent audience i know the id movies have done well in september but outside of that it's really hard for most movies to generate the kind of audience you needed in september the creator which uh, i really was really hoping as far as that as far as a sci-fi flick unfortunately that has not fallen on good times as well but when it comes to october we're seeing something now with this weekend with the exorcist and the exorcist believer which is coming out this weekend it put, actually it was going to be on the weekend that the Taylor Swift movie was on but then the Taylor Swift movie was announced and the, and universal said no 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 yeah. we're going to go ahead and say bye-bye to that week so they moved it a week up smart and, and it's going to be coming out to about expected to be around 25 to 35 million here domestically probably about 65 75 million dollars worldwide that's okay if this was a low budget horror flick the only catch is melinda yeah universal has reportedly back in 2021 purchased the rights for an exorcist trilogy of movies for 400 million dollars and oh man, so and your man I- on this this is just crazy that i when i heard it, i'm like you know, The Exorcist may not, in all the original forms, may have not done $400 million in its yeah. lifetime at the box office. I understand DVD sales, VHS sales from the original, that might have generated that much enthusiasm. But your thoughts when you hear, when I say Universal in 2021 spent $400 million on the rights for The Exorcist in order to generate a trilogy of movies or more, similar what you're seeing with the conjuring which has been such a windfall the conjuring has done everything right you know branching off in the conjuring movies the nun all the other you know they've done like everything as far as branching off and done a brilliant job each and every time where do you think it's going to go all wrong for the exorcist while you, do, well, while you do that I'm going to spin my head around
1: okay ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, look. It just you. looks uncomfortable. Are you okay? <laughs> uh,
0: I'll need a chiropractor here after <laughs> yeah. the show, but that's okay. okay.
1: All right. All right. Um, 400 million. I, You know what? Uh, Universal, if you're listening, I have a vampire story to sell you if you if you, if you, you have that. They kind won't of have any money for it because well, of the bath say, that they're going to take. And it would be a bargain. I, I'll tell you that compared to $400 million. Okay. Okay. Uh, Too late. Just a couple of, come of 2021.
0: 2021. Yeah. Well, you know
1: better late than never. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that here's a statement for you. I think that horror movie fans are the same as country music fans. Now, before you get upset, (laughs) I'm not saying that country music is horrible. Don't Uh, add her. Yeah, no. What I, what I'm saying is that, um, it's, as far as the radio industry goes, Country music fans are known to be the most loyal radio listeners that you can have. If you can attract a loyal country fan base as a country music station, you are you have it made, right? I feel like the same goes for horror movie fans. If you can attract a horror movie fan to a particular uh, series of movies, um, then you're you're going to have it made. Even if they're bad, they compare it also to cold pizza. Even if it's bad, it's still kind of good. Um, I I just feel like the Exorcist name itself um, is going to uh, attract people into it even if it's a disappointment um, they still got to see an Exorcist movie on the big screen. I'm sure that the the effects are going to be absolutely phenomenal uh, as far as horror movies go. But one thing that I have noticed with horror movie fans is that it's not always the big flashy effects that works sometimes it's just you know fishing cable tied to a doorknob that you pull yeah, um, or a jump you know. scare yeah or a jump scare like I, i'm a sucker for a jump scare like dude, no uh, yeah. it's terrible yeah it's awful um so maybe they're going to find some kind of balance there but i i just think that, that that's what they're banking on they're banking on the loyalty of the ip uh to get them through even if it is a stinker of a movie
0: but that's the thing though Okay. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the cost of the movie or anything like yeah. that because the horror movies like The Conjuring worked best when they were making, that would cost 10 to 15, 10 to $20 yeah. million, ten maybe $30 million at the most, but they would generate 70, 80, 100, almost $200 million per movie each and every time out. This has to generate, that kind of amount, even before the cost of the movie itself, before the cost of of any advertising, because if you spent four hundred million dollars on the rights to the Exorcist as what's been reported on as what's been reported on each and every time out, you know when you've seen these these articles on there, if you're talking about that, I mean that's just to break in. That's just the cover charge before we even talk about the cost of the movies. So, Already, you're down $400 million before you even started. So, even if this movie was flopped this weekend, they would still have to justify it by probably bringing out another Exorcist type movie, whether it's related to this one or not. Anyways, just to justify the price tag that they spent on in the first place.
1: Well, just because they drop big money on like the the name Exorcist, perhaps what that means is the movie is going to be you know a lower budget movie, which I think forces the the effects team uh, to be very very creative and do things in unexpected ways, and I think that that is what excites horror movie fans, you know, well, you know, for all I know about horror movies.
0: Well, let's say it's like a thirty million dollar movie to make or forty sure. million dollar. You yeah, know, still, I mean that's. Again, no matter how much it costs to make and how much of if it get, earns a profit as far as far as itself, it still is a loss right now if it does only a hundred million dollars for its lifetime. If it only does that, then it's still you have to consider a loss. It doesn't matter if it turned a profit against what it originally made, especially because you simply because you've spent so much money on getting the rights to that IP in the first place.
1: Right. Okay. So look at it this way. Perhaps we're going to do the first movie and perhaps the mer- first movie isn't going to do everything that they thought that the first movie is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the best plan? What, like, what is the greatest thing that you can always do? You can always go back to the source material. There are enough terrifying stories out there of possession and poltergeists and all of that stuff that you can go and you can draw from and you can pull from. And I I just think that the, the world is your oyster as far as, as writing a horror movie goes. And if you do start having to rely on the second or third movie in a trilogy to make the money, um, then you better have a, you know, a pen and notepad with you when you go to the theater and you're going to watch the reactions of the audiences. Are they freaking out at the times when you meant to have them do that in the movie? What are they saying as they're leaving? Take it as a learning experience. Understand that you're going to have that loss. But man, oh man, you better come through big time on those second two movies.
0: The thing is, though, with The Exorcist, it has to generate at least three movies, if not more, in this timeline. It has to do something similar to what you're seeing with Conjuring. Conjuring is one; what, it's eighth, ninth? Something, yeah. Something like that. So if it does that, if we're talking 10, 12 years down the line, and we're on our eighth or ninth Exorcist movie from Universal Pictures, that's golden that 400 million dollars was well spent cuz that's probably means that they've generated probably a billion billion and a half maybe even a 2 billion dollars in total for those eight or nine movies that's fine but again it all it was it, i guess what i'm trying to say is this movie what it does if it flops you are going to see the executives at Universal probably do the same thing with their heads as in the uh, as in the Exorcist, <laughs> spinning back and forth. As far as from the money that they're losing up front, it's what happens if they try to do something else in the Exorcist universe, and if that flops too, then they're really some heads will roll for sure. And I'm well, using the pun, pun included I mean, on that one.
1: If you're making a $400 investment, see, I hadn't considered that. And if you are looking at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 movies, uh, then, you know, it's an investment uh, over a long period of time. And And maybe they will over that many movies be able to at least come close to making that back.
0: That's that's just the cover charge. That's still not including any cost of the films themselves. So they'd have to cover that plus yeah. the cover charge in order to go ahead and make a profit. I, yeah. That to so me, if that would have been presented on my desk, I would have said, you know what? I'll make my own horror movie. Thank you. I'll <laughs> I'll I'll talk to Blumhouse. I'll talk to A24. They I'll work with them on something because doing the four hundred million dollars for The Exorcist. Eh. 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 Eh.
1: Yeah, it, that was a that's a that was a, a big spend. Uh, that was a big Brinks truck that got backed up that day. Yeah, that's for sure. yeah
0: exactly for who, <laughs> whoever owned the rights to The Exorcist that allowed them to go ahead and do it, indeed. But yeah, I
1: mean, good for them for managed to make that kind of a deal.
0: This is true. This is yeah. true.
1: But what are your thoughts
0: out there on The Exorcist believer? Are you gonna have your head spinning to go ahead and check it out this weekend at the theaters? Or do you think it's universal is going to be the one that's doing the spinning after they see how much money they might lose at the box office? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, We still got some more to talk about before we head on out. I do want to go ahead in this continuance of the October, trying to get all in the mood, you know, as far as trying to get some scary stuff that's going on or murder as it were. So, you know, not real life. I'm hoping out there, please, everybody stay alive, but follow the house of Usher debuted on Netflix as a series starring Bruce Greenwood and several others. Uh, Actually, a modern-day telling of the Edgar Allan Poe dictation that uh, has been so revered throughout the years. And this retelling is getting really high marks, including a 10 on IGN. So your thoughts on this, I know it's not hit the number one out there, or maybe if it did, it was just for very briefly, you know, because everybody – we always related to, okay, on Netflix – oh, has it hit number one on Netflix? Okay, don't tell me, unless, don't talk to me about it, let's see it it's number one. This is getting and garnering some good reviews. It might be something that people might want to play closer to Halloween, but this series is getting a lot of notice regardless of what people are talking about because it's just pretty darn good. I'm going to be checking out, hopefully starting this weekend, and I'm looking forward to something really good because the advanced word on Follow the House of Usher is really good.
1: Yeah. Um. When I saw the teaser trailer for it, uh, it looks I, good. Oh man! I like. I it, I almost jumped through my computer screen. I was so excited about it. <laughs> Truly, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a massive. I would Edgar. like to see
0: that happen.
1: Yeah, yeah it's har- hard to do, but I'm sure I could make it happen. Um, but no, like I'm I'm a big Edgar Allan Poe fan. Uh, you know, I remember discovering Edgar Allan Poe when I was like 15, and you know, I I thought that it uh it made me I don't know interesting and introspective i i don't know what i was thinking anyway since then i've just started to enjoy edgar Allan poe for what edgar Allan poe is and yeah the fall of the house of usher is one of my favorite of his stories Uh, i'm glad that they didn't go with you know one of the one of the more um i'm not i don't know one of the more common things i guess like they didn't try to do a retelling of uh oh my gosh of course brain leaves my body
0: As far as uh, some of the works from Edgar Allan Poe, is that what you're asking?
1: Yeah. the Raven. Yeah. The Raven. You know, I'm just glad that he didn't, they didn't try to do, you know, a retelling of of the Raven or or something like that. I I think that it's, it's a, it's a good call. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, his, his work is being introduced, um, in a new, fresh and interesting way. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, no, it looks like it hits the right tone, um, Mm you know, with everybody sitting around that table and everybody looking upset about something. And, oh, great. So excited.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's getting really high reviews and high marks. So if you could let us know, if you're catching Follow the House of Usher on Netflix this month, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And speaking of Netflix, they recently have, well, you might be still able to catch it. I'm not sure if it's gone off there yet, but the old Dune movie Has been much talked about, even possibly (laughs) talked about as far as a director's cut of that. But Dune on Netflix has sparked some new interest as far as the old movie. And in a kind of bumbling move by Warner Brothers, they decided after they went ahead and pushed back Dune 2 to February, did not decide to push back the debut of Dune on netflix to january in order to go ahead and capitalize on that interest especially netflix one of the leading streamers out there in fact the leading streamer out there in the entire universe seems kind of dumb on their part to go ahead and release it this month if you don't have the movie coming out the sequel coming out next month your thoughts on dune which i am going to check out again for the fourth time just because on netflix Although it probably won't be the best resolution, I think that you're probably for the best 4K, you're probably going to have to see it on on the you know max for that, but your thoughts on Dune hitting Netflix probably not exactly when WB should have put it back, put it on
1: I've I've, honestly, I will probably be watching it from now until January. In fact, Robbie and I watched it last night. uh, So. (laughs) Oh, it's just, it's so good. It's just ridiculous how the movie has no business being as good as it is, to be honest. But
0: as soon as I heard that it was coming on to Netflix, I would have been like, yes, awesome. Just to ramp you up for the movie coming out in early November. Oh, wait, they pushed it back to February.
1: Right. Well, really, what it, what it, I think what it gives you, what it gives people a chance to do too is people who have heard about it and haven't watched it have been kind of on the fence of watching it and they, you know, may they might get around to watching it in November, you know, that kind of thing. I'm sure that there, there are those people out there who haven't it's listened to us. Timing. Timing. Yeah, I mean, it's not optimal, but I don't think that there's anything too terribly wrong with it, to be honest. Uh. If the old Dune movie was getting that much, that many views, that they decided that it was time to put the new movie out then you know i think that that's telling something about the interest of it i don't well, think that that's going to go away
0: it's created a lot of uh, actual talk as far as the old dune the original yeah. version of the dune david lynch's version, uh version coming out when it did on netflix and it's created that kind of, of conversation uh that you know talk about maybe finally reviving a director's cut uh for us because there's so much footage out there and It was so panned, and you can tell if you watch it it, why it was so panned and so cheesy and and, and not well thought of at the time. But now that you can look on it with a little bit of rose-colored glasses, maybe you can take it for what it's worth. I did the other, uh, I think about two months ago, I caught it on Netflix. And, you know, to me, it's still the way it was back when I watched (laughs) it in the 80s. But need I digress. But Dune the 2021 version if you get a chance to see it on netflix if you've not seen it yet i highly highly recommend it because it is literally one of the best movies of this decade and i am so excited to see what happens in doom part two that now that it's been pushed back to february it just makes it oh so much more tantalizing but you know again uh, you know it is coming out on netflix so at least at least going to a larger audience so hopefully they'll be more aware of it when it finally comes out in february
1: yeah absolutely and if you have been on the fence uh over watching it uh you know please please do do gerald and i a favor and go ahead and, and just watch it just make absolutely. yourself some snacks plunk yourself down on the couch with a little blankie and go ahead and watch the movie you're not going to regret it it's not a waste of your time i promise you
0: and then let us know what you think about yeah. Dune, the old version versus the new version. And are you now excited after watching it on Netflix, if you're excited for the sequel coming up in February? PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, just a couple other issues and notes and notes before we head on out. Only Murders in the Building, speaking of MEDE, ended its season three this past week on Hulu. Didn't get the kind of notoriety uh, that the previous two seasons had, even though it had Paul Rudd and also swell, you know, some great actors and actresses and just, just Meryl Streep was a major part of this season as well. And my gosh, it didn't get the kind of love I think, but still enough audience love to generate a season four as Hulu on the day that the, on the week that the actual, season finales come out and announced that there would be a season four in play. And of course they set it up for such at the very end. I won't tell who who, who did it because I didn't get a chance to see it, but your thoughts on only murders in the building, getting a season four.
1: I think it's great news. I also think that, uh, you know, it's great news for Martin short.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, he was uh, a little bit under the gun by one particular writer wrote an article, I think on one of the major publications about, how his shtick is to talked? To, he just really talked a lot bad about, you know, uh, his legacy and about how his shtick never appealed to him, and, and and a lot of actors and actresses had to come to Martin Short's defense because. And Martin Short has a stick uh, compared to Ryan Reynolds. You either right. like his shtick or you don't, and yeah. if you don't, it's just it's not going to be funny for you. And and yeah. if it is, it's going to be appealing to you. So. It take it for what it's worth. I thought it's entertaining. Again, I, I didn't mind it. I liked the season overall. It was okay for me. It wasn't quite as high as notes as season one and season two. But you know what? Uh, having Meryl Streep and, and Paul Rudd there just thought made for an actually pretty good time for me. But hopefully season four will continue the good notes uh, going forward. But we'll wait and see. But before we head on out, my friend, a couple last things. Diablo 4, a lot of the coming in the future, you know, Diablo 4 has had a good start, kind of got some rough patches along the way with some updates. But the creators and developers are talking about revamping the ending for Diablo 4. Your thoughts on that before we head on out?
1: That's cool. I haven't played the ending yet because I can't find the time to sit down to play the video game. How <laughs> mm-hmm. Imagine my frustration. Oh so upsetting when it like another week goes by and I'm like, man, I didn't even play my game this week. It gets very, it gets me very upset, but you know, I finally got my character from 28 to 31. So I'm making some progress, you know, some of the quests are in play, all that kind of stuff, but no, I I'm nowhere near, uh, where I wanted to be at this point, uh, in terms of playing the game. So if they revamp the ending, fantastic. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to know any different. So I'm all for it. I'm sure that people who have played the game, though, it may intrigue some folks.
0: We'll see what happens, my friend, but Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to go on with Diablo 4, especially when that acquisition and merger goes through with Activision Blizzard. I would love for it to, to appear as part of the Xbox Games Pass, which I have conveniently signed up for as I'm trying to even jump into Starfield and I played a little bit of Wolfenstein, played a little bit of some other stuff as well. So definitely would love to have that added to the mix on Xbox Games Pass. So hopefully that will be the case before the end of the year, uh, once the merger is complete, which is looking more and more like it. So we'd love to see that. But what are your thoughts on Diablo 4? Are you still playing it? And are you happy about the possibility of a new ending for Diablo 4? Let us know your thoughts, Cosmos and Yahoo.com. Last news and notes, uh, this past weekend, I had on John Orlando. It was our monthly state of pro wrestling. We talked about okay. a lot of various things about WWE, where they stand after the acquisition and merger between them, Endeavor and UFC, and now that Happy Love Fest, now that you know, Endeavor owns the company and not Vince McMahon. Uh, we also talked about AEW after their 80,000 seat event, you know, big extravaganza in London and all in. You know, we talked about that at length about their ratings and numbers ever since. Well, AEW in recent times might just be getting a boost because about two hours after we went off the air, Adam Copeland, aka Edge from WWE, his contract expired on the first. And wouldn't you know it, he ended up, decided not to go ahead and extend himself with the WWE, even though he admitted that there was a contract offer available to him. He decided to jump into the world of AEW and appeared on the Wrestle Dream uh, pay-per-view this past weekend. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. Edge is a name that has at times main evented some of the largest venues and some of the largest cards and most important cards the past two decades uh, outside of his neck injury that he was out on the shelf for, uh, for quite a bit, but he did come back and he was actually re- main evented at WrestleMania here and there. And he's one of the biggest names of this century. Your thoughts on Adam Copeland jumping to AEW.
1: I, I think that it was a smart move. I think that uh, the, everything that I saw was all bad press about the merger and the amount of wrestlers that were let go Uh, people who uh, are just no longer with the company. And, uh, you know, all of those people now need a home and you have this new up and coming, sorry, not new and up and coming, but you do have, uh, you know, this in general speaking, um, you know, kind of new kid on the block with the AEW. And I can only see that helping their cause, you know,
0: Absolutely. And they do need it. After what happened with CM Punk and his departure from AEW, you lose the main eventer, John Moxley, suffering a concussion. He has been on the shelf for a little while. Uh, They have Adam Cole, who who came back over from WWE. He unfortunately broke his ankle in three places in real life and unfortunately is on the shelf himself. So pretty much right now, with uh, if you want to mix in Brian Danielson, outside of that, it is just MJF at the top of the card. So trying to build more top of the card wrestlers right now seems to be a priority for AEW.
1: Yeah, and and I you know obviously they're aware of that, and and I'm sure that that's one of the things that uh, they're probably working the hardest on. So uh, I I just think that it's ah uh, it's really fun to be the underdog. Let's yeah, put it was- that way.
0: We'll see what happens my friend. But what are your thoughts with Adam Copeland, aka Edge, who's now the rated R superstar, which is you know kind of the thing that he was known for in WWE. He was able to get that moniker and transferred over to AEW. What are your thoughts on Adam Copeland jumping to AEW from the WWE? Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture cosmos. and yeah.com. Well, my friend, you knocked it out of the park once again. You superstar among all superstars here in the world of pop culture. Any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: Yeah, um, I'm interested to see actually. Well, I don't know that I'll see it, but I'm interested to follow along with what's going to happen with uh, the Exorcist stuff. It was a, it was well, a, that was an interesting conversation. I, I will be following that.
0: Come on, hold on. I'm going to spin yeah. my head around just for you before we go. OK, on. all right.
1: No pea soup, though. Hold the pea soup.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, God, that's I, I won't be doing the vomiting thing. That's yeah, just don't do that. I, can't, I cannot do that. Yeah, man. yeah. Maximum Sido, oh, uh, yeah, bless the soul. he's unfortunately no longer with us to go ahead yeah. and just exercise it from me. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I actually had a good lunch. I don't I want to keep it down. So we'll <laughs> <Right. with that. laughs> So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great,